That very <laughs> very anyway, we, we should get into um, episode three, otherwise we're going to just talk more nonsense for longer. Do you think? Is that a plan? Right, let's do it. I thought, oh yeah, I thought, this week, I thought we'd started, mate. <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> yeah, we just... So I've just got to mention it just for the sponsors and, you know, all the fans out there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, let's pretend that we're professionals for a moment, shall we? Shall we? Nah, let's not do that. Right, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Right, so oh, we're into me. episode three of the Leadership Diaries. Um, I decided on episode three we would take it to a whole new level and, and invite a couple of guests in from Australia. Um, hello, guests from Australia. <laughs> hello, Grant. How are you? Hey, mate. Good. See, look, we're we're bringing it bringing it to that level already. So the the Leadership Diaries is all about some straight talk and none of this bullshit that we see on LinkedIn where everyone's pretending their lives are perfect and two of the people that I think and I respect the most for um, the non-bullshit especially around the leadership space are these two chaps um, and I thought why not uh, share a collective wisdom that we've got um, we have a couple of joint passions uh, particularly around leadership and not the uh, book theory type stuff the actual real stuff and also um, our military connection. My dad was in the armed forces for 30 years, so I grew up in a military environment for 18 years, and I'm staunchly proud of that heritage in my life. Um, and and it's something I feel a real connection with these guys on, and um, and the, the experiences that come with that. Um, I'm not a fan of war. Like I don't think anyone is, but I do think there are some in incredible lessons and um, humility that comes with being uh, in the military and, and the part of the military life. And, and I think these guys probably exemplify that and why I really um, enjoy uh, any interaction I have. Um, well, most interactions I have with them. And, um, and if there's any leadership content out there that I read and consume abundantly, it's from these guys. So um, it's an absolute pleasure for you to take the time out to join me. Thanks, boys. Mate, pleasure's on our end, absolutely on our end. And, you know, regarding our uh, leadership message landing with you, mate, there's a saying about a broken clock is, is right twice a day. So, you know, we post twice a day. So we've got to... Yeah. <laughs> you've got to snag a good one every now and then, just statistically speaking. So obviously we, we, we must have got you. Well, no, not necessarily any good podcast hypes up the guest early on just to get them comfortable. <laughs> So, no, no, no. But you missed that one, didn't you? Hey. <laughs> yeah, no. These military folk, eh? Not too bright, eh? But no, in all, all seriousness, I think that the importance of your message and um, is I really like the simplicity and it's so human. And I guess um, that comes back from one would assume your time in the military and actually the decisions you make as leaders whether you like it or not, can be life and death. And, you know, that's where I think it's really nice because it's slim, simple. It's not out of a book. It's, it's not an MBA. It's not some contrived rubbish. It's stuff that means something. And I think when we apply that to business, um, we are fundamentally looking after people. We're guiding people down the right road uh, most of the time. And, and I just think it's an extraordinary um, perspective that you guys, that you guys bring. Um, 
can you just touch on how you have taken your learnings from the military environment and brought them into, for one of a better phrase, civilian street or the business world? Yeah, I think initially um, the way that our content has evolved is telling people where we got it wrong. Okay. I think that's where it all where it all started and where it all on is we you know we go into an environment and everyone was so busy protecting themselves and putting this facade up of how amazing they were that we end up being the point of difference because we went in there going, no, this is where we messed it up completely. And it would sit people back. They'd be like, hold on, we're not, we're not used to this. But it's like in the military, you, you, you have to do that because if you hide things and they'll get, found, they'll get anyway. found out and then you end up with these knives in your back anyway. So you put the knives on the table and then at least you know where they are. You're like, hey, this is where I personally let you down mm. and this is where I missed an objective this is where I got it wrong and this is where I let my team down that's, so, that's what we've done and that really talks to I mean we've talked about it briefly before you and I David like Jocko Willink talks about extreme ownership and, yeah. and actually removing blame culture from true leadership and I mean I mean when I think about Obviously, I wasn't in the military, but I, I was very close with the goings on. And it's it's a very um, bold, very simple environment I found, um, and not and, and not in a uh, not in a degrading its complexity, but you know the guys, you know, if they fell out, it's sorted out in various different ways. Let's say, <laughs> um, but actually. What is important is often the leaders are on, on, so to speak, the front line with the team. They're not, you know, they're not sat in some ivory tower saying, hey, look, go die for your country. But the likes of you chaps are your front line. And I feel like that's a really good analogy for business nowadays. Leaders that lead with and for their team. And that means almost is being on the front line with them, isn't it? Understanding. I mean, is that. Is that sort of the right kind good, of way of looking at it? It's a good it? way to read it. Yeah, it's a good way. And, and you know, I I, I kind of look at it a little with a little bit of a spin, and I think, you know, what, what is leadership is in its in its truest form? It's influence on other people, isn't it? You're trying to influence change, or you're trying to influence a, a transformation, or in at an individual, or at a group, or team level. And how can you do that unless you're actually dealing in realities? Like, how do you actually fix the thing that's broken or improve the, you know, come up with a better solution unless you're talking about the actual thing? You know, like you need to be talking about reality. And and, and I think one of the things that has always been a, a weird space for us is when we did that transition from the military, we came from a culture where you're always talking about the thing. Like the objective is clear. We've talked, we've pulled the problem apart. We've done hours and hours of planning to understand what the problem is before we even move on anything. Um, you know, and all the time we had available, we would break it down so that people could plan on a plan on a plan on a plan so that we understood what the actual thing is that we were trying to do. And I think that's something that seems a little bit quirky in the corporate context because everyone's saying one thing, but they're doing another. And it's weird when you kind of walk in the room, you're like, does anyone notice this, like an elephant literally standing in the corner of the room? Like, why are we not talking about the elephant? Like literally just sitting there. And it's like, no, don't, don't look at that. It's like, well, well that's the thing. Like that's the thing we need to fix. And it, 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 we, we really kind of lost the filter 
and it's kind of worked in our favour somewhat because um, we, we just cut to the core, I feel, of what people want to talk about. And all the political correctness kind of goes out the window a little bit when you do that because you're actually dealing with the issues. So what, if you think about the translation between your military careers and your your corporate careers, your, your coaching careers, um, what starts to build up that brick wall of protection in people's mind? Because, you know, institutionalized thinking, you know, in government, uh, local council, uh, big corporates, there seems to be a catalyst in certain types of organization that you spend more time protecting your position no matter what, than actually saying, well, hold on, my role is to achieve X, Y, Z. And there seems to be this weird thing that people go, well, no, no, I, I protect protect myself any uh, uh, for any reason, but at the mercy of um, reality. I mean, I've just come from a working lunch with some guys, uh, other coaches that we both work within a, uh, we have opportunity within a um, system here run by what we call a TEED, uh, an economic um, uh, organization. And, and it's funny because when you look at the outputs, um, and look, we've all done very well out of the opportunity, like we're not going to bite the hand that feeds us, but at the same time, scratching our heads about the way responses come, um, the way things are done, it's like you're in two different worlds. It, it's, it's like you're having two conversations and, and it's like you're talking German one way and Russian the other and no one knows yeah. what's going on. So where do, what are your observations about how these walls are built? I mean, Brené Brown talks about wearing armor. We put on our armor and, you know, and we protect that. But you're talking about, and that cliche, the vulnerability, but I'm really interested in why the walls go up. Like who, why are people building those walls in the first place? I, I think it's a it's a it's a horses for courses kind of situation, but there are some themes that ring true for most things or cases that we've dealt with. I think ego and pride is yeah. definitely the you know the elephant in the room. Um, people also, I think, in when they lack confidence, potentially due to a lack of competence, um, they mask um, in in any way they can in order to. Um, divert or redirect any of the attention that might show that their, you know, their laundry stinks like the rest of us. And so um, I think that's a really important part. And you get this combination of, you know, this concoction between this ego and pride piece, like, you know, I've got to show the world that I'm, I'm killing it, I'm doing well and life's great and nothing could go possibly wrong. Um, you know, under this air of I'm actually concerned, in, you know, in my heart of hearts, I know that I'm not that great at everything and I struggle at this and this and I'm going to try and divert attention away from that. Well, you know, God forbid everyone knows that you're not perfect. And, you know, I don't, what about, as an example, people don't know what good looks like and they might not know another way. You know, they've seen that this is the way leaders in the organisation have acted before, they've been very protective over their weaknesses and that sort of thing. And that has just built up momentum and this is the way it's always done. And then what happens is you get these different leaders that come in with a different idea or, or actually it takes a lot of strength to be vulnerable and I'm more than comfortable with my own inadequacies and I'm going to tell you about it. And that actually sits people back and... They don't know how to deal with that. 
they don't know how to understand that. And a lot of times leaders like that get shunted out of organisations because it's just too different. Whereas if everyone was open and honest and you created this environment of inclusiveness with people's weaknesses, I mean, you build a team mm. so that the strengths can cover each other's weaknesses, right? The issue that we've seen is when people bring other people into organisations that mirror themselves. Oh, um, yeah. So that the weaknesses are all the same. The yeah. ideas are all the same. And the group think... And then those walls stay the same because everyone's trying to cover the same, like protect the same weaknesses that they can't actually move forward. Um, when you see truly diverse teams come in that have been built around covering each other's gaps, they've acknowledged the gaps, they've acknowledged the weaknesses and have built the team around that, the overall capability is stronger. But if they've never known what good looks like or they've never understood that there's a different way, then it's really difficult for them to see that. And one would assume by the comment they've made earlier, when you talk about diversity in a team, you mean a genuine diversity, eh? So look at the, so for argument's sake, look at the mission we're on, look at the capabilities, the personalities, the blend of requirements um, that we need and build a team based on that, not, not some perceived sense of what good looks like. It's actually, I mean, we call it superpowers. So in our, so we did some personality testing and we suddenly realized that there were these key strengths and key missions in our own lives versus other things. And very quickly, we sort of got started to get a sense of where people sit. And not even I found, you know, I had an enhanced view of what meaning is for me versus each one of my teammates. But then equally at the same time, I was able to adapt and go, well, that's not working in that way for them. Therefore, I need to change. As a leader, I need to change. And one of, one of my fantastic team, Cam, we've been working together for years in Shamsay We had a, a big fallout last year. And, and, you know, and it was open and it was honest. And it wasn't much fun. And, and we're good friends. And ultimately, when we looked at it, we, we looked at our profiles and we said, well, look, this is the way we need to understand how we work together. Um, you know, you need to be braver. I need to be more empathetic. And actually you can have a, a and, and we now are understanding of each other, but that's not a, you're wrong. You need to fix it. It's hold on. What's my part in, of, of, of this play? I was totally wrong. Or, or no, not we, we weren't wrong, but we weren't aligned, but actually wanting to get greater alignment by having bold conversations is is so powerful but i think it, it, it's a shame but it feels like you have to be brave to do that but you shouldn't have to be brave to do that in in, in the in this current world it seems like a big deal to be brave whereas to me bravery is the kind of things you've done in the past you know you're in harm's way so bravery should be who you are Mm. You know, you, it's not a it's not a behaviour you turn on and off. It, it should be a value. Like it should be who you are. Um, I, you know, you know. I think the other elephant in the room is the the fact that many, and you could look. You'll you'll see this in the branding. Have if anyone's having a read of this or a watch of this, scroll to the next ten posts, and I sure I promise you'll see something like this. Everything's vanilla now. No one's uh, talking. Yeah about the thing and so no one wants to have an opinion at the risk of offending someone well you know god forbid you offend someone but you actually fix a problem you know 
so now we, you know, this is a really important part of leadership. And, and, you know, how do you actually change something or how do you influence someone unless you're actually talking about the thing that needs to get fixed? Mm. And, and this is a really big problem. People are talking, but they're not saying anything. Oh, I love that phrase. I love that phrase. <laughs> the lips are going, but it's just bullshit flowing out, you know. It's just noise. Just, just noise. It's just noise. And, and we wrote, we've written a lot of articles on this, you know, this phenomenon in so far that people, people are so scared, so scared that they might upset someone. Hmm. Well, geez, you know, <laughs> like you can't go through life and, and not upset someone like, you know, what's the worst that happens? Someone gets offended. It's like, well, what is it about that is that is actually offensive? Because, you know, maybe it's it's an attack on someone's belief structure. Well, you know, lesson learned, beliefs can and do change all the time. You know, look at science every day. There's some great science channels. You know, if you want to go look on Quora, you'll see great examples where our belief systems are getting smashed all the time because new information is changing the changing them as we go. So if, if it's offensive that something might change your belief structure, like, well, that's on you. You need emotional maturity. Have some fortitude to deal with difficult conversations. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. And God forbid you might learn from it. You might become a better human. Imagine if you could... Magic we got him there. David got riled there. Eh? Like, just press oh, that watch button. Watch, that was amazing. watch him go. Because, you know, we come up with this, we, 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 we hit this roadblock all the time where people's expectations haven't been managed appropriately. You know, it's like going into a fight and thinking you're not going to get hit. Like, that's <laughs> life. It's not, the, it's like, this is, this is weird. Like, understand that if you're going to fix a problem, the problem exists for a reason. Right, and in order to fix it, you're going to be uncomfortable. Get used to the idea that you're going to be uncomfortable. Like, get comfortable knowing you got that's leadership. Like, consider yourself expectation managed. Leadership's hard, it's not glossy, it's not easy. And if it is, you're not doing it right. Like, it should be hard, it should be difficult. The decisions are hard, the conversations are difficult, and they should be because the stakes are high. So, I think as, as long as like, I think at some point there'll be throwing of punches, there'll be blood, it'll be amazing, it'll be great for the viewers. I can imagine, yeah, yeah. Um, but this that's a great segue, and and um, the, the reason I re looked at this podcast and this type of content and communication was, um, I felt all year and and David, you and I probably have chatted a lot more than you and I, Jonathan. We 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 started a conversation about you know two chaps with some 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 understanding of of each other's lives, and but then every then every now and again, I found we were kind of weirdly instinctively checking in. Hey, how's family? How's bubs? And it became very human, and and I loved the humility of that. And they're like, "How are you going?" But you wouldn't be, "Oh, it's all great." Blah blah blah, blah all that bullshit. You'd be like, "Oh, you know." <sighs> we're getting by and and it, what I like about that and, and I'm the same, you know, like, you know, it's chaos and it's not, I don't like it. What I like, <laughs> well, sometimes, but what I liked about that, it was, it, it was a very simple, very frank and very open because in theory, both of us would put our armor on. If you think about the reality of life, you know, we're all white. Uh, we're all, you know, 
I've got families, we're all a statistic and we're both going to want to protect ourselves as proud men and blah, 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 bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. But yet it was very easy because there was trust around our values and our philosophies where you go, are you doing well? <sighs> yeah, okay. And, and I, can, I can hear the okay in my head, not as, oh, good. I hear it. I go, oh, I know, I know what kind of okay that is. So therefore my brain goes, well, maybe I'll check in what, a little bit more often, you know, because okay, when you're a strong leader, it, 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 it's not, you know, you're not a 95, you know, you're, you're a six out of 10, you're a five and a half out of 10. And, and so I wanted this, this platform, this content, whatever you want to call it, to, uh, to reach out to people, whether it's people I know or not, to actually go, well, hold on, I'm, I'm not okay, or I feel like shit, or this year's been rough, or, I'm doing my damn best, because everything else is vanilla or bullshit, or I'm winning. <laughs> and, and I just, I kind of a bit bored of it. And, and the premise is not to be negative. I think this is hugely positive. I think we want to be the voice of emotion, a voice of reason, a, a voice of reality. So someone watching this goes, it is hard today and that's okay to use that phrase. But so I'm going to start firing. I'm going to start pushing some buttons. I want some two big learnings from you gentlemen. One, what's your biggest learning of you individually as leaders this year about yourself? That's the first question I'd like you to both answer if you don't mind. What's the biggest learning? And I don't care, good, bad, or indifferent, and I hope it's kind of ugly. I'd love to know what your biggest learning is this year. That, you're not going to get it right. Mm. Uh, you are going to mess this thing up royally, but if you're prepared to take a hit or two and get back up and put your left foot in front of the right foot, you're going to get through it. Oh, we took some hits early on. I mean, we're, we're lucky because we, you know, we're best mates in 15 years so we can lean on each other pretty hard. A lot of people out there aren't that lucky and we found that when we took, took some hits, it would have been, it was going to be pretty easy just to be like, nah, mate, this is, this is too hard. Um, but we learned that instead of retracting into like your own self and going into that self-protection mode, if you reach out, and opened yourself up, you're a bit more vulnerable with everyone, you called it as, as it is and you remove the bullshit, um, your networks and actually grew together and everyone sort of came together. But we also found that so for COVID, for example, a lot of people we thought we could count on, we couldn't. Um, really? They, wow. went, they went into self-protection mode and cut us, cut us away completely. Um, wow. Noted. 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 Yeah, um, from my end, I, you know, I, I should have known better mm. in terms of dealing with conflict, like this is our bread and butter, that I needed to wind back and do less. So less is more in the context of, um, you know, conflict and complexity. How, how can you navigate through all the noise and all the confusion and the fog to try and um, you know, capture the essence of whatever it is, the thing that we're going to do. And I think there were times where I started getting a little bit jittery and trying to grab a bit of everything, but mm. at the risk of everything. Um, and so Jono and I know better than that. Um, we're very good at prioritising. And I'd say early days we got knocked around a little bit as we were trying to figure out what this was and what this wasn't. 
and we were, you know, like, do you lean hard and go, um, you know, how do we help as many people as possible, but at the expense of actually hunting projects and stuff like that? Like, when, how much do you provide value versus how much do you go hunting for work versus how much do you, you know, um, deal with all the issues internally versus externally? I think in the early days, me personally, I think I got a little bit jittery because I was like, oh, I need a bit of that. We need to be really strong here. And I forgot that cardinal rule. You can't prioritize everything. Otherwise, it's not a priority anymore. Um, and so uh, from a leadership perspective, um, that's definitely something I, I, I learned. And I think the, the turning point for us was literally sitting down, having a, having a couple of beers, and we actually wrote it up on a whiteboard. We're like, what are we not going to do from here? And what roles do we need to play to move forward? So, you know, Dave went into a more offensive strategy and I went more into a defensive strategy. But like everyone else, when, it, when that COVID hit, I mean, we were, we were in the middle of a, a Lion Leaders Summit that had literally just had its knees cut out. Yeah, and that's a big investment for us. Huge investment. And it yeah. just got smacked. Was like, oh, and then, so we had to, we sat down on a whiteboard and we're like, mate, there's all of this stuff. And we, we hadn't prioritized it at that point appropriately. You know, stuff everywhere. And we're like, that's it. Let's put the list, what not to do. And we just went, drop this massive list of what not to do. We're like, sweet. Now, what are the key things that we have to do? It started with our strategy. We had to revamp and realign our strategy. So we have a, you know, we have a five to eight year strategy that got turned on its head. So, you know, we could have sat back and closed up. We decided to accelerate that strategy by 12 months. So Dave went move toward and, you know, he went opportunity finding and hunting. And I went defensive, which is all about, you know, cost saving so that we could protect our staff to ensure they had employment. So we're like, what are the priorities? Our people, right? We have to keep them employed for as long as we can. And so that was our priority, hunting those projects in order to bring in the revenue to keep our staff um, employed. What costs can we actually rip out? You know, what subscriptions can we bomb? What, you know, so that we can keep this core cash flow to keep them employed. And I think once we sat down and went, strategy, what not to do, what are the priorities? That is when things started to align and our decision-making went back to the way it should be, which is, you know, aligned to a, to a priority. It was a lot more deliberate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I, you know, not to throw you both under the bus. I, yeah, I was, to me, I think I had my leadership identity really challenged earlier in the year. Um, and, and actually probably my, my reality, my personal identity and, and felt very much under pressure um, that going into COVID. But what I found my response, I, I'm really... There were moments of fragility, serious fragility. I went into, um, for want of a better phrase, man mode. There are moments I, I convinced myself I was going to lose my house. I was going to let my, my wife and my daughter. Um, one of the worst things I could think about is what if we have to sell a house, move into a place, and I can't take my dogs. You know, I, I managed to take myself into that space, which is a real trick eh, as a leader. Um, but what, uh, what I found was, as, as I reflected on these things, I then went into, well, what can I control? What are the things I can control? And what are the things that are going to make a difference? So a, a shitload of humble pie, got rid of some ego, scrapped the plans that we thought we were going to hit, um, and said, right, phone the bank, um, do this. 
um, do this, do this, do this, apologize to my wife beforehand. Um, I'm going to have to do this. We're going to have to work harder. We're going to have to do this. And, and the first thing I did was get my team on the line and I, pretty sure I cried in front of them because I said I just don't know how this is going to turn out but I'm going to do everything in my fucking power to make sure it turns out good and from that moment forward I I I'd made some decisions about what some of it was going to look like but I accepted I didn't know what all of it was going to look like things then changed conversations with current clients were great um, we won new business um, etc etc and and after a little while we're like we're on plan but the plan's better now it's sharper there's less bullshit all the people are on the bus i think i got braver you know i'm like i don't fucking want this i want this and you know and, and this might be just to be able to sleep at night because there was money in the bank here and and all of this is a conversation going on with my team this is not up in here this is our daily briefings i feel dialogue yeah, actual dialogue. I mean, we still do it now. Like, you know, every Monday we do our catch-ups and say, right, cash flow is good. And the other day I was joking, earlier in the year, you know, I went to put fuel in my truck and I had 15 bucks. I had, I, I had no resources and I needed, I got really okay with telling them the story. But most importantly was being aware that you're not being a victim to the circumstance and actually saying, look, this is where I'm at as a leader. This is what's on my shoulders. Now, at any time, if you want to leave and actually go and protect your family, you should do that. I'm asking you to trust me. I believe I can get us through this, but it isn't going to be pretty. And I don't know all the answers. And that for me was a wonderful, I don't know if it was a moment or a, or a pressure or a, I don't know what it was, I think it was walking my dogs on our land. You know, I was just doing something very simple. What it has taught us is to go back to what you were saying, David, about simplicity. Our plans are now, we're still on our plan. Like we've got a strong plan. And in fact, our plan accelerated because of circumstance. But actually my complacency reduced. I was like, no, 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 we cannot get complacent. We're busy, no complacency. We've got to keep focused, got to get better. And actually it, it's like the pressure sort of brought the, the blinkers in, but not in a, oh, help, not, I'm not a victim. I'm like, you know, you come out swinging and punching, but with a plan. And I can only reflect on this in hindsight, because at the moment I was just like, Fuck, just, I don't want to lose <laughs> everything I've spent 10 years building. But the one thing and a decision I made years ago, and I had the conversation with myself and I had it out loud with my wife, is, and it's something I learned from um, Tim Ferriss. I said, am I prepared to lose everything and back myself to start again? And the answer is yes. Because once you remove that fear, you just sure. go forward. And, and I think that being that brave, but I mean, I'm nine, I'm nearly 10 years into this journey and year 9.3 in a global pandemic, I suddenly start to grow a pair, you know, it, it, <laughs> it, it so to, to me, I think, um, it's an acceptance of reality of what you can control, but not allowing that reality to cloud your vision for where you're going. It, it, I don't know if it's the word is resilience or, or ignorance or fuck you world or, uh, that that's my my biggest learning on the other side um and I, I want you guys to talk to this is what i've seen outside 
the outside world. And I get we have this, our, our version of the world and the world we see and the reality of the other person's world is that particularly in New Zealand, there has been an awakening around purpose and meaning and, and, and strategy and forward looking. And a couple of the chaps I just had lunch with said, there's this desire to be purposeful in what we do. And, and I don't think it's everyone. I think there's a whole bunch of people that were playing and they've gone, this is the real space. This is what real business looks like. And, and, and that's come with a lot of fear where people are going, Ooh, I'm not too sure about reality. It's a bit too real. That's my observation of what I'm seeing in the market and the kind of things we're working with. What are you seeing outwardly? What are the kind of uh, challenges and opportunities that you're working with from your your provide your um, clients and, and staff, etc.? One one of the things we've seen is um, in that strat. While we're on the topic of strategy, is a lot of organisations I think have been blessed with abundancy in so far that they, they didn't really have to make decisions. They might have just snagged a good product or they might have had some good you know, uh, workers in the team and that was enough. Well, maybe it's not enough anymore. And now we have to go, when, you, when things get really, really confusing and difficult, you have to go back to the why. Like why, why do we A, start this business? Or you know, why, do we, why did we create this product in the first place? Like why do we get up each Day. Like these are questions we actually need to ask and answer um, in order to be able to run businesses in a post-COVID context because our teams have, might have been pulled apart and now they're going to have to go back together again. The service that we deliver is going to be completely different because, you know, because A, B and C. But asking, if you can't answer why and then the subsequent how, then you're in a you're in a you're up shit creek. Like you really need to sort that out because if that isn't underpinning every decision that you make in order to cut through the noise and the fog that we talked about before, you are going to be too slow. You are going to get left behind. And I've seen many, many businesses that are like either too stubborn to readdress the strategy or think, you know, um, we're gonna be fine, we'll just keep doing what we've always done. And we've, we've, we've watched on our space, plenty of different consulting companies, they're just gone. They're not here anymore. Wow. The, the environment that we were playing in 12 months ago is not the team that's sitting in the, on, you know, on the playing field now. Like it's a different structure. Like we've got different, a whole different industries now. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think you can be as naive as you want, but you know, let's be honest, you're only kidding yourself. You need to go back to the why and the how, and you need to be able to articulate it very, very cleanly so people can make decisions. Yeah, yeah. And simplify that complexity. You know, people had massive values up on up on walls and they were useless. They're these massive strategic documents that didn't align anything to anyone. It was too confusing. So people have had to simplify the complexity in order to get people moving and move forward because up until then, they were able to hide behind that ambiguity. You can't do that anymore because people aren't accepting it. You know, you mentioned before, you were talking about you realised that you had control, you had choice. You know, the victim mentality, people are like, they're not, they're not standing for it anymore. It's like, I've got choice. I can make decisions and I've got control. Like, point me in a direction if you have to, but articulate it and communicate it effectively. 
So here's here's the next big question, and and I think this is one, and I hope you're happy to answer. Um, how how has your journey this year as as leaders of a business and leadership coaches? Um, what are the challenges you've faced with uh, what you're going through in relation to your family? So, you know, the, 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 the burdens of, of, of being, you know, um, business owners and income, how have you managed your, your, your family relationships? Cause to me, I, uh, you know, I think first episode or second episode, I know I've been pretty unapproachable actually at times I go often too often inside my head when I'm trying to solve things and possibly feeling a bit fragile about looking after my family. And I know that's not very nice to be around. And, and I think the, 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 the fallout of COVID is not necessarily the volume of code. It, it, it's, it's relationships, etc. cetera. Uh, I mean, I know one person who, had a broken relationship because he had to focus on his business and, and that broke my heart. It broke my heart more because he's trying to build this thing and, and, and maintain a relationship. And, and I think that space is probably one of the biggest challenges of what we're going to see this year is, is those hard conversations, those, those temp tempers, those, uh, etc. How have, uh, how have you found that? How have you dealt with it? Uh, the good, the bad and, and, and the ugly. From our perspective, we, when we first started this company, we said that if this gets in the way of our family or our friendship, we'll burn the fucking thing to the ground. Um, and, it, and that's all. It sits there. If this ruins the relationship, we will burn it to the ground in 27 seconds. Like, it will be done. Um, and so we've always got that in the back pocket. Yeah, you've got plan B, yeah. It's a reminder for us and we have to keep each other. We have to remind each other sometimes about family and priorities. And we, we check each other a lot. Um, like, no, put the phone down, go speak to the family. Like, go, you know, go do the kid drop off or go, you know, go on holiday. We'll force each other to go on holidays. I think um, for me personally, I, I know that if someone doesn't tell me to have a holiday, I'll never have a holiday. I'll just <laughs> keep working. Like, Someone, someone like Johnny needs to tell me to stop and put the tools down. And it's a, it's a weakness of mine. It always has been. And same for you. When you get in the zone, I've got to be like, no, put the tools down and walk away. Um, COVID was an, a different beast because you couldn't leave your family. And so it's almost the opposite problem in that you start to get resentful in, if, you know, in you're trying to, you know, deliver your work and you know provide and provide security for your staff and you know who aren't immediately in front of you so you don't even get that benefit and that energy from them it just feels like it's like i just got a you know it's almost like an unseen beast that you're fighting and then you can't get your personal space and you know it's this weird space you know like you're in meetings and you're trying to be professional and kids come running and drag you in the legs and it's like oh get off my leg you know like, <laughs> but you're, you're trying to be professional you know you're talking to like forty thousand people or something and then a kid runs in and like hits you in the crotch you know like it it'll wake you up um but the, the point of the matter is is you've got to ask yourself it goes back to that thing we said before why why are we doing what we're doing well we're doing it to provide for the family so if we're doing it to provide for the family you can't reasonably use an excuse to, to say that the business needs to take an exorbitant amount of time from the family 
So we have to check each other and reprioritize and say, no, like, no excuses, go do the thing. Um, and that, that's a really hard just conversation to have sometimes, but an important one. I know that the hard conversation, I think, is, uh, it comes back to that we mentioned before, uh, which is that open, honest, and transparent communication. You, there, there was nowhere to hide. Mm. Like you, if you tried to hide things or um, tried to cover it, there's no, there's no break. You know, there's no break from the family. There's no break from me. You're constantly on alert with your business, with your family, with everything. Like you have to be open and honest in your communication. Otherwise, things will just fall apart. Because you know, as soon as you put those blocks up, there's nowhere to, you can't go to your own space, you know, because everything's always there. Everyone's yeah. always around. Like there's no getting away from it. So if you don't have those conversations early, if you don't accept those hits early, then it builds and it builds and it builds and it's compounded by the amount of time, energy and space that's consumed by people being in one location for long periods of time. I think what Dave mentioned before with, um, you know, you, you'll be having a meeting and people are running in and doing all of that. I think there was a point there, it, was, it would have been probably about a month, a month and a half into COVID, where people started to just accept it. And I think that was great because in meetings, people became more human. So people yeah. understood the human nature. It's like the two-year-old son comes running in and hits you in the crotch. Everyone's like, <laughs> they're almost like looking for that personality in the meeting. Yeah. And you know, I thought that started to become a source of morale for everyone throughout when, you know, that's why heaps of those clips started coming up on YouTube of it happening all the mm -hmm. time. And it was a source of morale for everyone. People were, were humanized more because up until then, it was just people with screens. People were missing the one-to-one the -one connection of being in someone's face or, you know, having your team around you. Then all of a sudden you get led into their personal life. You're like, okay, there's the human, there's the human side again. So, but but it is is that not well? I'm hoping that's one of our big takeaways from this whole yeah. thing. And and as as you brought it up, I was thinking about the brilliance of the reality, the glimpse behind the screen, so to speak. To be a cliche, I mean, in the end, like I, I remember every time I had a client meeting, I'd grab Millie, my little, and it's come say hello to John, or come and say, you know, make it the thing, um, because I think maybe the learning is that we've spent two too much time behind the tie and the jacket and the and the bullshit boardroom stuff and actually we all go well you're a parent i'm a parent we kind of we don't have to go any further than that or can i change the time because the little one's playing up 100 percent. maybe there wasn't um there wasn't we would removed some of the armor maybe we were technology and the circumstance forced us to go well this is me like you know and, and I, I think, I think that can only that that seems like a good thing, but equally on the other side, the guy, there's a chap I just met with a friend of mine for lunch. I, I knew him online, and we chatted a bit, and he follows some of my stuff, and he's you know a well-established guy. But I got really thrilled by meeting him in person and shaking his hand, like human interaction. And I find even now, you know, we're very been very lucky in New Zealand. We've been pretty open as a rule, Touchwood. Um, uh, the human interaction and the human element to post-COVID life, whatever that is, I think we're in it, but maybe not. Um, yeah, there's times I feel like humanity's actually learning something. Mm -hmm. And then there's a moment later I realize that humanity's completely fucked and we've just ruined it for ourselves. Um, 
but I, I am seeing a passion for some simple things like, you know, like meeting this guy, shaking his hand and, and talking business over a coffee. Uh, it feels more meaningful now, but I'm also more choosy about who I do it with. So actually quality over quantity. What are your observations about the human interaction component? I'm going to say post COVID script because we've got to move on. Like the way we do business now, are you seeing more humanity, humility, humanness or, or less? I think there's a greater, appreciation for those things that we used to take for granted in its sim like in a, in a simplistic view i mean you know you go back to talking about a handshake and the coffees i mean how many of those were you having pre-covid and then all of a sudden you couldn't like you couldn't have a beer with someone you couldn't do that it was all virtual and then you're right now you get this buzz when you when you're going to go meet someone for a coffee or or have a beer or do something like that. You're like, oh my God, I'm, I'm genuinely excited. It's not just another, you know, booking on the calendar. You know, it's not just a meeting you have to go to. I think that genuine appreciation um, is, is coming back in. How long it lasts until people start to take it for granted again, I, I don't know. But do you think, uh, are you seeing any lessons learned by particularly leaders of, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder? Like, assuming you've got a good team, if they're a shit team, just stay at home. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just very straightforward, isn't it? Keep it. But it, it feels like we, if anything has come from this, good leaders, great teams should be closer now. That's what I feel like. I, I, I mean, I won't speak on behalf of my team. I'll just speak on behalf of myself, my experience. It feels like we're closer. It feels like there are less barriers. It feels like we're clear on where we're going. Um, it feels like we can control a little bit more of our destiny because we've got clarity. Um, we laugh more. We have more fun together. Um, one of the biggest takeaways, debriefings from the whole of lockdown for us um, when I did one-on-ones and team was we missed each other. Like... <laughs> And, and we had a new office and we got the keys and it wasn't fitted out. There was no carpet. We bought coffees and sat on the dusty floor and everyone was like, this is great. We're just back together. That to me feels like a very human thing that is where leaders should be stepping up and encouraging more humanness. I don't know what the word is. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I just feel that leaders right now with purpose should be bringing more people together Whereas actually some of what we're seeing, it's, it, there are leaders that are driving people apart. It, what are your thoughts? So, so people um, often look at the military and one of the um, words that pops up all the time is mateship or camaraderie. Um, and there's a reason why, um, I guess, mates from the military um, are so fiercely loyal. It's because they've been through things together. So, and, and it's not, it's no rocket science to it. It's when you have a team that's been pressure tested by whatever, say an environmental issue or, you know, a societal issue or, you know, in our case, an enemy issue. Um, but you've pressure tested the team and it's come out, it's alive, right? It's out on top on the other side. That feeling that you had and that you just explained very well is a really important part to the leadership puzzle when we talk about influence. So I'd say a yeah, message to the leaders out there, if you can relate to what you were just saying there, Grant, 
and you feel that in your team, for the love of God, do not let it go. Use that as a mechanism to build on the back end of because you can't buy that. You can't, it's, you can't buy that. You need to be pressure tested in order to have that validation on the other end. And once you've got it, it's worth its weight in gold. You do not get rid of that. Use that as the crux or the core or the essence of your team and then use that to go on and do bigger and better things. If you get lazy and you lose focus and you go back to the way things were and it starts to dissipate, people forget. They forget very quickly. So you need to remind them about all the things you did achieve and the thing and the fact that your team's still there is a win. Yeah. So make sure they know it. The the interesting thing, I'm currently reading Mark Manson's second book and um, I'm about halfway through it and, and I find the fascinating relationship in there. And I don't think this is, it's not talking to leaders as such, it's talking to human beings. He talks about the feeling brain and the thinking brain. And, and, and I, I kind of found it fascinating as leaders often, we are, we are playing, you know, push and pull with both of our brains, you know, we, we, we feel resentful or we feel cheated or we feel exhausted or whatever. But on the other side, we've got to make the money because the budget is there and the thinking is there and da, da, da. And, and reading this book, I think my observation of my internal observation, you know, we'd have to have outsiders qualify in my team, but it feels like the bigger, one of the lessons this year talks to that is going, well, pre some of the experiences we had this year i'd have reacted this way that would have been purely thinking brain or purely emotional brain actually it, a leader's opportunity is to find the um or or, or or lean into the experiences that allow you to flow appropriately between the two brains from one second to another and i don't mean swing because the swing, we know the swing of emotion doesn't work, but actually sort of balance between each side. So, you know, you're in a moment with a staff member that, you know, has a challenge. You are feeling that moment you are with them and you don't, pra you don't go into thinking brain and go, Oh, I don't want you to be sick because we really got to get that work done. You're actually able to be a little bit more fluid around both parts of that brain. And I, I thought it was a fascinating read for those leaders who go thinking all the time, the numbers, the numbers, numbers, those who are soft as shit, which I believe I used to be. And actually maybe the opportunity for leaders moving forward is to find a balance of the feeling of being a leader and, and feeling your way through it versus thinking your way through it. This is, you know, this is the way we lead kind of stuff. What are your what are your experiences observation about that emotional brain versus the practical brain when it comes to leadership? From our perspective, from a and you'll see it um, nuanced and entwined in all of our messaging, is around choice. So you you don't if once you realise that everything you do as a leader is a choice to lead yourself to lead others. You don't get to hide from that point on. You don't get to just ignore the fact that everything you do is a choice. How you, even inside here, so to talk about the, you know, that rationalization, that voice that you're talking about in your head, that's a choice to listen to it. That's a choice to act on it. That's a choice to validate it. That's a choice to turn, you know, to work, um, make decisions based on assumptions, not facts. These are all choices. 
And when you realize that as a leader, everything comes back to your choices and the accountability that follows that, you realize that it, you, you can do a lot of influence on people, but you need to embrace the fact that you made thousands of choices every day. And you've made, you've been alive for many thousands of days. So there's the compounding effect of all these choices. So if you are um, one of these leaders that struggles with, you know, um, being emotive or, you know, um, being reactive or those sorts of things, well, you need to run the fact that you have choice to be able to wind that back or accelerate it in the right context. And so that would be my, my piece in this is you don't, you don't get to just respond and throw punches out against the world without realizing that you had that choice at the start to even be in the room. And so um, I think that's a message that some leaders need to grip in the current context, particularly with their teams, because right now you've got nothing but choices to move forward. And I think you've got to, you've got to take that time, don't you? And what you're talking about here with the you know, people are reading a little bit more, they're taking that time for reflection and self-analysis for the point to move forward, right? They're learning a bit more about themselves and what they we'll call it a natural bias. If nat people are naturally biased towards feeling or naturally biased towards thinking, having that understanding that you're biased a certain way because you've now had the time to reflect, you've had to look and do that self-analysis, understanding your natural bias so that you can be a better leader to your team because it's almost irrelevant what your natural bias is bias is because you've got to you have to change and adapt to be the best leader to your team so it's like yeah, cool i fully acknowledge that i'm more feeling and emotive um well my team needs a thinking leader right now so i need to change and i need to adapt but you wouldn't be able to do that unless you're taking the time to do the self-analysis and reflection because you wouldn't understand what that is you wouldn't understand that you had a thinking or a feeling brain. You wouldn't understand that you're geared towards um, decision-making or, you know, you're more agent-style and empathetic unless you had done, taken that time or reflected. The one thing I think I've found, uh, particularly the last couple of months, I, which is amazing because there was a heavy surge of reflection time early lockdown, particularly here in New Zealand, in my observations, um, more recently, uh, I cannot list the amount of conversations where I've challenged something that we've put in place and go, oh, we're too busy. And, and, and that's where I do get emotional because I'm, like, I'm so fucking sick of hearing the word busy. Because to me, all of our breakthroughs as a business and me as a human being and as a leader or whatever hat I'm wearing are when I slow down and stop and design time into my life to reflect on my life. Whereas there's this ridiculousness this year. And I get that a lot of people are, you know, they're busy saving their business or whatever language you want to use. But I cannot, I cannot ignore the fact that sometimes in some situations actually stopping, like you said earlier, stopping, take stock, take a breath and then leap back into it. And look, we're talking a five minute. I mean, the way I, I chilled out during lockdown is I'd literally do a lap of my, my land with my dogs, same lap every day. Some days, the tougher days I'd sit and look into the Valley and just try and gather myself. Other days it'd just be to get away from the computer. I think I was possibly gone seven, eight minutes, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, 
I think looking back now, that was enough to get me through. That was enough for me to move forward a little bit further. Some days it'd be two or three times I would do it. But I think the, the one lesson I'm not saying is the busyness is still busy and no one really knows why. And I feel that doing less is ultimately getting more. I mean, we have it with, we, you know, we run two companies at the moment. All of our successes have come from a singular focus or, or two or three focuses. So, you know, we've got one particularly, uh, our, our e-com brand, we've got a big event schedule this month. It's going to have huge impact across um, family, work, everything. So I said, I'm not putting anything else at the plan apart from delivering a great event community experience. What does that look like? Being prepared, making sure this, making sure that, making sure the other. But I'm not putting anything else on the plan. And it's day-to-day, -day, dates, everything. And we're 24% up on revenue. We're doing less. And that was amazing for me. And then particularly around, we've really struggled with our online learning. And I was getting really fucking annoyed with myself because I was the barrier. What was the thing I put on our WG plan this month? That the one thing, business as usual is business as usual, but that, I need to make progress on that. And we, we've made more progress in the last seven days than we have in the last two months. And, and the, the lesson is, you don't drop everything else. You just make a choice, like you said, David, make a choice. If this is our barrier, remove the barrier. So don't do it, take it off the to-do list, or just fucking double down, stop the talking, and get on with it. And it's amazing because running two businesses that are very different. It means I can manage them and the expectations are very, very clear. I mean, we've had two events canceled, which has hurt the budget. But then I've gone, oh, what's the plan B on that? We do this. That works. So then you become adaptable to the plan, but you don't start doing weird and wonderful things. You sit within the parameters of the plan, but you, you move. Um, so I, I worry, rightly or wrongly, that this busyness is slowing down people's leadership growth, their strategic growth. Um, there's too much wheels spinning, not enough. I mean, I've had people say, we haven't got the time to stop. Yeah, but all of the problems that you have are the things, they're only problems because you're not stopping and solving. Yeah. <laughs> it's it just amazing to me. And I, I wonder if this is the lesson that we haven't learned this year, is that actually, the first two weeks of lockdown in New Zealand, people became better people. They became nicer people because they were just, whew. whereas now we're, we're at 120 Ks an hour again. That's just, that, see, now I, I got ranty there. I apologize. Um, <laughs> I like that you get more of that. That's cool. <laughs> just, just, I mean, the busyness doesn't feel like a good tactic or strategy for a leader. It, it's it not feels, a tactic. It's not anything, mate. It's no. it's just drowning. It's, it's it victimhood, is. isn't it? Uh, what, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a victim mentality. Yeah. Well, it's almost like people, especially in a work from home scenario. We did a webinar where we spoke about managing remote teams, and it's like, you know, people are trying to send more emails to appear busy, like what Dave said in his uh, in you know, line leaves. It's like I'm doing things just to be seen as doing things, like. It's almost like because we're not as visible in an office space now and people can't see, it's like we have to be seen to be doing things. It's like, well, you know, you can take a pause. You, know, you can yeah. plan or you can plan to plan. Like you have to take that tactical pause in order to plan the next step or you're not going to do it as well. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and on the back end of that, think about it from a leadership perspective. What are you doing as a leader to stop it? So, you know, that's a choice. <laughs> so um, what, are you, what behaviours are you demonstrating to your staff that make them feel the need to saturate you with information? Yeah. You know, do you actually trust your staff? You know, we've got, for us, we have a chat in our team. People put things up on the chat, you know, as and when they're required um, and their priority things. Um, anything else? I don't want you to send me emails. I'm not going to read them. Um, you know, <laughs> don't send me lots of other bits and bobs. I'm not going to read it. Put them in the chat. Less is more. And if people go off net for a while because they're doing something, then the assumption from our end is that they're doing something. Trust them. Um, I, I think that trust element has been identified that I think a lot of leaders haven't had trust. I think that's the thing they've learned is that they, they didn't trust their teams. I mean, yeah, and it, it was obvious. Before you can yeah. expect it in return. It's almost like they, because they couldn't reach out or see their staff every minute of the day, the, the automatic assumption is that they weren't doing things. But on the other side of the coin, you see, you know, with a few of our coaching clients, they have this guilt that, you know, if they weren't behind their, like they were having lunch in their living room in front of the TV and they were feeling guilty that they were sitting on the couch. They were feeling guilty that they were watching TV in their lunch break. Like they should be having lunch at their desk, at their computer. So it's like, it's, there's two things. And as a leader, you have to work to understand your team. You have to be empathetic. And I know it's difficult because you're doing it remotely, but it just means you've got to ask the right questions. You have to make your staff feel comfortable because at the end of the day, they're still in their own home and they can't separate. You know, in that case, when we're talking about like the depths of COVID, they could not separate from work. So it's up to you as a leader to create those boundaries and enforce those boundaries for your staff to make them comfortable because otherwise they'll burn out. And, and the other way, if you want to reframe it in a completely different lens, think about it like this. Why would you assume that your staff want your business to go under? <laughs> yeah. Like, it makes no sense. No. The assumption should be they are going to be working because they want a job. I mean, the business needs the revenue and we need to do our functions. It would be weird for them to want it to go under. It doesn't make any sense. Um, no, no, but I think that's my observation. Sorry to interrupt is my observation would be without strong, without a strong set of values and transparency and expectation. Those you, you will have people that, do take advantage and take the piss and that creates that division. But if you, I mean, I think I've said it before, our number one rule in, in our lockdown was you're on zoom at 9am for a five minute catch up our huddle the rest of the day. I don't care. You know what the goals are. You know what we're trying to achieve. We're like one of the guys, he worked at night because his wife was working in the day and they had the kids. I don't, I don't care. Do what is work, work, what works for you. Um, but I, I think you can only, have that my observation is if you have a strong set of values and i mean real values not the poster shit that people try and get away with up on the wall for no yeah. reason whatsoever yeah actually so we'll uh, reflect on the value if 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 one of our values is trust 
than trust show behaviors around trust and i mean that segue is really well um because we'll have to wrap up soon uh, i'm sure you've got way more important things to do and you're probably very busy <laughs> uh, um, Mate, it's lunch time i'm just hungry <laughs> uh, okay we'll rub it up really quick because apparently you get grumpy when you're hungry oh, you're um, really grumpy when you're hungry. <laughs> I, I, I don't want you to be able to dictate the future but and bear in mind, uh, my, the rumor going around is as soon as midnight strikes at the end of 2020, everything's going to be fine. 2021, it's all eradicated. So I don't know if you heard that rumor, Australia, but that's something that I've heard on the internet. And everyone's, same with, uh, same with fitness, you suddenly become really well and healthy on the, the 1st of January. It's amazing. And you can Incredible. speak three languages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can barely speak English, so I'm not even going to try. Um, <laughs> what does, what does leadership, what, what's your thoughts around what leadership should look like moving into a new year or a new paradigm what 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 would you like to see what do you think good looks like jonathan you said earlier on no one knows what good looks like what do you believe good looks like to wrap it up and leave a little nugget of gold i'll I'll, I'll tell you this is going to probably fly a little bit in the face of the question but i don't want to see a transformation at at the end of this year it should have already happened Mm. i want to see people leaning more into their values and being honest and dedicated and driven in those values-based decisions. Like you, you mentioned before, you know, the, the values up on the wall. If you've got values in your business, define them, get your people on board in that definition so that they can subscribe to them, right? And then start using them. Start pushing values-based decisions because, you know, you can... You can align people's behavior. Like, what does that value mean in everyday behavior? And what does it not mean? What is the contrary behavior that we don't want to see that, that is directly contravenes that value? Let's be deliberate. Let's define it. And then let's use it as a thing. Because otherwise, the values are up on a wall. It's a waste of time. Just words. But from, from my end, I would say to lead, leaders, leave your damn ego and pride at the door. Get out of your own damn head and go start helping some people be better versions of themselves. And God forbid, if you actually make someone better version of you, what if they get better than you ever were? That's what winning looks like. Leave your damn ego and pride at the door. Sick of it. Sick of watching it over and over and over again. It's like, it's not about you. It never was. And it isn't now. And it won't in the future. It's just leave your damn ego and pride at the door. It's, it's not enough space at the, the table where stuff actually gets done for the ego and pride and to get the thing done. So yeah. wind it back. Yeah. Nice. Fight, you, got, you see, he got fire again, didn't he? I don't want to put too much on pressure on your ego, um, David, because we know how that turns out. Um, the, you said earlier understand why is my big thing i want i'd like to see more people um challenge why they're doing what they're doing and and it could be i don't care what it is i think just have understanding of of why it it moves you if we look at all of the things we've discussed all the pressures that we put ourselves under if we own it um why would you do it unless it had some kind of meaning and and it can be save the world it can be uh, you know help five people whatever it is just make it be the thing that you can anchor 
onto. Uh, and, uh, and the one thing I know that was absolutely solid for me during COVID was I never wanted to deviate from my plan. I just wanted to go deeper into it. I wanted to be more focused on it. And I knew that we were going in the right direction. The amount of times I heard the word pivot just got on my fucking nerves. Like just pivot, <laughs> pivot, pivot. It's like, no, I, I, I want to stay the course on the thing that means something to me, you know? Uh, and I and I wonder if some of some of it was the triviality. People were in business for transactional purposes, and I, I get that some people had to because their their industry didn't exist anymore. It was not about you know. I get that they're not victims. They're dealing with their choices they have to make, like you say. But actually, I saw so many people move towards healthcare, move towards masks, move towards hand sanitizer. I'm like, you're all fucking idiots. Like this is give it three weeks and you're oversubscribed and you're not doing it for me you're doing it for money. At least be honest about it. Say, we're trying to make a bit of a quick buck Buy my hand sanitizer. That'd be a great message. But we just didn't do that. Like, so moving it, moving forward from this moment, not 2021, I just like leaders to say, I'm doing this for this. This is why I want to go on this journey. I'd like you to come with me. Who's up for it? That'd be kind of cool. Like just, just own the shit out of it. If you fuck it up, that's fine. Who cares? It's fine. Own it. Move forward. I think. I think that's the thing. I'm getting. That's a good message for leaders. What, what, what's your why? What's your purpose? No, no, no. It, and it doesn't. I think people get afraid that it's all all warm and fuzzy, and we have to, you know, get down to our why fronts and and just hug it using jelly. That only happened <laughs> once by the time, you know. But but people, they've got to get out of the way and say, well it's important to feel something about what you're doing because if it's just about the balance sheet, it's got the momentum and energy is going to run out pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, So that's amazing boys. It's, it's always a true pleasure talking to you. Um, for the four people who follow me, um, one of them I think (laughs) is a bot. The other one is possibly my wife. The other two people, if you give any, if you Hold on, that means no one's following me. That doesn't make any sense. This is not going to work. Anyone who's watching this and just genuinely wants to see brilliant content, and not for content's sake, brilliant content that comes from conversations, from from reality, from interaction, from experience, from real world, you got to follow these guys, um, the eighth mile, because it's every day. Um, you can set your clock by it. They're consistent. Uh, it's it's bold and it's and people don't like it sometimes, but that's why it's so good. And I follow it religiously. Very few people do I actually care about the content as opposed to these guys, and that's why it's a joy to have them, even a small part into into my world of leadership um, because I'm learning so much and you can too. So make sure you follow these guys. Uh, guys, a big thank you. Any gems just to wrap up with before we end this nonsense? Nah, mate, we got it. We, we, we wrapped it up, I think. That was a pretty good chat. Good. Well, I yeah. think we should make this a regular thing because it's just great fun and I think the learning's huge. And uh, maybe next time bring snacks. Mate, hey, we've got them. Thank, thank you for taking the time out, mate, and putting this together. Um, it's problem. a fantastic series, mate, and really enjoy following it. I think people are getting a stupid amount out of it mate it's absolutely fantastic so thank you for the invite no problem like i say respect is mutual and um look uh 
follow these guys, get involved, and uh, you won't see more authenticity when it comes to leadership than these guys. So thank you very much. We will be talking again soon, and I'll be pressing the like button because obviously that's the most important thing in our lives. <laughs> awesome. Cheers, mate. Have a good one. See you soon. Take Bye. care, buddy. Thank <laughs> you.